Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Thanks so much for the Raising Adults podcast, Future Focused Parenting. Raising Adults is grounded in the future focused parenting philosophy. Start with the end in mind. The co-hosts, Kira and Dina, are both parent coaches, doulas, and moms with a collective background in education, mental health, childbirth, child development, and more. They're all about helping families find the why behind the how, helping them parent with a strong intention, being proactive instead of reactive, and preventative instead of diagnostic. Understanding your why helps you do what is best instead of what is quick or easy. They talk about a large range of topics coming at each of them with a long range view and they know parents are busy. So episodes are short, about 30 minutes long. All of their ideas are customizable because they're all about finding your why, which is unique to every family, and they laugh a lot and are dynamic hosts who make you feel like you're sitting down to coffee with friends. Check out Raising Adults, the podcast. You can follow them on all major platforms, podcast platforms, and on Instagram at Facebook at Future Focused Parenting or futurefocusedparenting.com. Michaeline Duclef is the author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About the Lost Art of Raising Happy, Helpful Little Humans. Michaeline is a correspondent for NPR's Science Desk. 
In 2015, she was part of the team that earned a George Foster Peabody Award for its coverage of the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Prior to joining NPR, Duclef was an editor at the journal Cell, where she wrote about the science behind pop culture. She has a doctorate in chemistry from the University of California, Berkeley, and a master's degree in viticulture and enology from the University of California, Davis. She lives with her husband, daughter, and German shepherd, Mango, in San Francisco. Welcome, Michaeline. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Hunt, Gather, Parent, what ancient cultures can teach us about the lost art of raising happy, helpful little humans. Thank you for this book. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank Rosie for going on this world tour with you to help other parents (laughs) destroy their own kids. So... (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think she probably had the most fun of all of us with the, with the book writing. So. Oh my gosh. It's just, how old is she now? She's five. She's five. She's in preschool right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, she basically like wrote a book at age five. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting because like, you know, I travel a lot for my job and there, it, it started to be this time when I was writing the book proposal and she was starting to get mad at me. She was like, well, why aren't I going with you? And I was like, all right, you come with me <laughs> and we'll do this thing. And so it was like her idea completely to go. So, wow. Well, that's like your first lesson in parenting, right? Like, yeah, exactly. you got to take their ideas. Like they have good ideas. Like sometimes they're like totally off their rockers, but every now and then she comes up with an idea and I'm like, wow, like that's a really good idea. And before I wrote the book, I wasn't listening at all for those things. I was just ignoring basically everything she said. So wow. even still, I don't know that I would bring, I can barely bring my kids like, you know, in the car for an hour, let alone, you know, all these other things. <laughs> well, I have to To say the first trip to the Yucatan was like a hot mess, like a hot, hot mess. And by the time we went to Tanzania, she had really like it kind of works with what I talk about in the book, like just practice and training. Like it really she got so much better at it. And yeah. So, okay, maybe in case people don't understand what we're talking about. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I sure I kind of just jumped right in there. So why don't you explain the voyage you and Rosie went on, why you did it? and what you learned. And that will basically be a book synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was on assignment for NPR, I'm a, I'm a correspondent there. I was sent down to the Yucatan to a small Maya village. And I was doing a story about attention and ch- children's attention. But when I was there, I was just like, whoa, there's like a much bigger story here just about parenting in general. The moms I met there, one of them, Maria Tumburgis, who you meet in the book, is was just incredible to me the way how skilled she was as a parent and her, the relationship that she had with her children. She has five kids, three that were still in the home, four to 12, but she just had this relationship. She has this relationship with them. That's there's very little resistance. There's no yelling or screaming or negotiating. She's very calm, but she's also very confident. So she's clearly like in charge. And then yet the kids across the whole village, the kids are just incredible, like very kind and generous and super, super helpful. So the first day, the third day I was there, 
Maria's oldest daughter, who's 12, Anhala, she was on spring break and she had stayed up the night before watching a movie and she was sleeping in and she woke up around 11 and she walked past me and her mother in the kitchen, you know, this strange white woman in the kitchen. And she didn't say a word and she just started washing the dishes from breakfast, like completely nobody asked her to do it. And of course I was like, what just happened? Like, oh my God, that's incredible. And Maria wasn't even very surprised at all. And she told me like, you know, she's 12. She at this age knows what she needs to do. And so she does it, you know, she's like, it doesn't happen every day, but, and I was just, I was, I left there like just completely like stunned. I was like, is, you know, I want to raise a child like that. You know, my child at the time was two and she was just like a complete hellion. You know, it was just like, there was just constant yelling and screaming. And, and I, so I tried to read about it in parenting books and I couldn't find, I could find very little, but then I actually went on another, I kind of left it. I did some stories and kind of left it. And then I went on another trip up to the Arctic with an Inuit families and this story was about anger, but again, I saw the same, very similar thing where these very calm, confident parents interacting with children in a way that was, was, you know, just incredibly conflict-free. And, and I started reading more about it and I realized like, oh, that this is like a common way of communicating and interacting with children around the world. And we, in America, we Westerners are like the exception in this very conflict-ridden existence between parents and children is, is not super universal and not actually really common at all. There's a different way to do it. That's easier. <laughs> I love how you described this in the book. You said, so while I raised worry with essentially a single tool, a really loud hammer, many parents around the world wield a whole suite of precision instruments, such as screwdrivers, pulleys, and levels that they can bring out as needed. In this book, we'll learn as much as possible about these super tools, including how to use them in your own home. Yeah, it's kind of true. Like we think that we can like, we think that we can change, do everything with words and often repeated words or loud words, right? In fact, though, there's just all this incredible, huge set of tools that are, you know, some with words, some with physicality, some with looks, you know, action. And they tend to be much more effective with kids, I think, because they tend to lead to less arguments and less negotiating. You know, I talk about the look in the book. So this is super common around the world that parents can just like shoot a look at a child, like across the room and the kid like knows exactly what the parent thinks. And it's actually easier than you, than you can imagine. Like once I, I do it, like Rosie knows, like we were in the grocery store once and she picked up the candy bar and I just shot her the look and like, she just like dropped it. You know, like, show me, show me the look. Do it right now, so I can practice okay, doing the look on my own. I mean, you just have to channel all the anger you have to. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, just like, yeah. or big eyes, you know. Okay, okay. <laughs> you, know? you know, I mean, just you just put like whatever you're gonna say to them. Like, I would say like, no way, sister, drop that candy bar and just. This is way more than a look. This is a full-on face shapeshifter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. like it's as if a child says you know, what does an angry face look like? The face that a child yes. would make <laughs> themselves. Yeah, exactly. Right. Especially if it's from a distance, you want to like, you know, but I will even give them to my husband now. Like uh -oh. he'll say something. I'll just be like, <laughs> and he knows, and he can't, the thing is, is you can't negotiate with a face, mm. right? You can't like, you can't really talk back to it because it's not talking to you. <laughs> Interesting. You know, it's so funny because my husband is step parent, is the stepdad to my four kids. So mm. before he even met them, he's like, yeah, you know, when I was growing up, my dad would just give me a look and I would know. 
And I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and so he like tried that a few times on my kids, like, you know, this look and it did not work at all. <laughs> it did not fly. They were like, why is he looking at me like that? Like what on earth? So maybe you have to start it really early. Like, is this something you can actually add in? Cause to the, once you've already, you know, spoiled them with like, you know, the yelling or whatever, whatever other you know, tactics you have, but it's interesting. That's very interesting. I wonder if it also has to do with who gives the look, yeah. you know, yeah, like how true. much, how much power you weld over them or, that's you know, true. the history, you know, it definitely works with adults. I tried on my mom too. <laughs> I think the thing is, is I think kids are besides the look, I think kids are, are, there's good evidence in psychology and that kids are built for nonverbal, especially younger kids, you know, are built for nonverbal communication, right? That a lot of words can be like, we think they're understanding us, but I don't think that they do, especially when they're little, right? We say all this stuff to them and we try to, like I say, we, we try to like have this logical conversation where I'm trying to explain, you know, electricity and why you have to close the refrigerator door and like, you know, all these really complex things to a three-year-old. I mean, like how... <laughs> how is she going to get that? You know, one of my friends says, yeah, we like have these conversations with them, like as if they're like, you know, 30, but then we want like to give them a plastic knife to cut something with, you know, or like, so we treat them very like this weird, we have this, we kind of have it flipped around. Like I say in the book, we underestimate their physical abilities, like hugely. That is something that I think could really change a relationship if we start to have a little bit more confidence in their physical abilities. And yet we over really estimate their emotional abilities and their like intellectual abilities, their abilities to control their emotions. And so I think all the verbal input is one of those things where we're overestimating kind of their mental capacity to understand it and, and then act on what we say. I remember when I had little, really little guys, some expert saying, you're going to say like, you know, don't put this there, but da, 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 and all they're going to hear is sink. You know, like, <laughs> yes. you know, like they'll hear one word that you say. Yeah. So I, yeah. I try, although of course I forget to think about that when I can hear myself, you know, it's like when they ask you like, what does this word mean? And I'm like, well, irony really means like, da, 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 and I go off <laughs> and they, they need one word. They're like, we're done right. mom. Like that's enough. Got it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's another, another really good tool that I think you can definitely add in. I think you can add in all of them, but I think you can add in is the action tool of like, just doing what you want them to do, you know, or just like, like, instead of like, okay, it's time to take a bath. Okay. Five minutes to a bath. Okay. It's time to, you know, okay, now we're going to take a bath. Like this kind of all this, like lead up to it. Are you ready to take a bath? Do you want to take a bath? Like I saw one of the moms when we were in the Arctic, she just went and drew the bath. <laughs> you know, and then the three-year-old just walked into the bath, right? There was no lead up. There was no, it was just like, you know, why am I near? I mean, I know why I'm doing it, but it's like, why do we, we don't need to do all this narration. Kids are built to, to do what we do. We just, we just don't give them the opportunities really, I think. So it's more than modeling. It's, it's basically just like, but like, I don't know, because if I'm like, if I run the bath, sometimes they don't even end up in the bathroom at all. Do you know like? Well, I mean, then you start to wonder, like, do they need to take the bath? <laughs> well, right. Yes. I've actually been, <laughs> I've been wondering because one of my kids has been like, I don't think I need to take a bath every day. I'm not that dirty. Why can't we do every other day? And I don't really have such a great reason. Like, no, there's no reason. In fact, if you look at the science behind it, I mean, this gets to this idea that we do all this stuff that we don't need to do. 
that like somebody has convinced us that we need to do all this stuff. Like that is a great one. And actually, if you look at the new, like new science on skin and everything, it's really hard on your skin to take a bath every day, especially if you use soap. And so one could argue that it's like healthier not to, but there's a whole list of things that we do that we think like that good parents do and that like nowhere else in the world, people have ever done this. And throughout history, you know, we didn't do it. You know, Western European Americans, European heritage people didn't do these things. And, and now we feel like if we don't do them, we're like a bad parent. So Rosie, after we went on these trips, you know, she was. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right around around age three and a half, I was just like, all right, it's up to you when you take a bath. I don't care. And like, you know, sometimes she's kind of stinky and I'm like, I think you're kind of stinky. You should take a bath. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I, I am kind of stinky. I should take a bath, you know, but I just, I just, I cut out like 90% of the stuff that I felt like I needed to do. And what that did was too, it like cut down on conflict, right? Because I wasn't trying to force her to do all these things, but two, it, and there's a lot of good evidence for this. It, it teaches her the initiative. Mm. So there's like evidence that like everything you do for a child, you know, over and over again, clearly when they're little, you have to do things, but you know, everything that you kind of like do until they're like 12, 13, 14 kids see that responsibility to you. Right. And so they don't learn the initiative to take initiative and take responsibility for it. So like in the book, I talk about sleep and how, you know, a three-year-old can just put herself to sleep fine, you know, and, and one of the psychologists told me, it's like, because the parent has never taken that responsibility for the child. The child has always determined when she goes to sleep, how long she sleeps. And so the child takes responsibility for it herself. And as a kid that just has somebody telling them when to sleep all the time, they never learn that, that skill of like, I decide when I sleep when my body tells me, or they never take that responsibility. I don't talk about this a lot in the book, but I think it's a big part of like why we have this like failure to launch kind of problem, right? Is because parents aren't giving children their like responsibilities to learn what it is to be an adult and learn and take initiative with things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So action items for me, which is what it all comes (laughs) down to. 
I'm running bath. I'm going to have like bathtubs all over the place filled with water for whoever. Ha- they're not going to drown. They're very, I shouldn't even joke, but they're much, my kids at least are older. So younger kids, parents should not do this. What else? Should I just like wait till they're hungry and be like, we're not having a family dinner. What do you think about that? So how old are your kids? <laughs> I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. And then I have twins who are almost 14. So I think it's, a, oh, wow. wow You've got four. Wow. But the older, the older kids, they take showers and go to bed on their, I mean, they do that stuff now. <laughs> I don't have yeah, to tell them. They're like, <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on what you want as a, what, you know, what, what's your goal with the kids, right? It really is about that. Like, you know, do you want your kids to are, you know, do chores easily without being asked. And, you know, like Maria's kid, you know, do you, do you want your kids to get along? Do you want them to be kind or generous? I mean, it's like, what are your, I mean, all those things sound great. <laughs> do I have to pick? <laughs> no, you don't have to pick, you know, but some people are like, well, I want my kid to go to, you know, Harvard. And I'm like, okay, well, I also want my kid to do the dishes, <laughs> you know? No, I mean, I think that the idea in the book is that whatever you want a child to do, as kind of easily without having to nag them or bribe them, you start welcoming them into that task as early as possible. And it, people always ask me, but does it work for like an older kid? It absolutely does. It just takes a little bit of time and it's, you need to be a little more gentle with it and not so forceful. I think with the little kids, you can be a little bit more hands-on. But so for instance, if you want your kids to you know, help clean up afterwards with the dishes, then make them part of the whole meal right? Like get them, have them come over while you're, while you're cooking and come, come help me cook. And I mean, if you have four of them, you guys could like, you guys could clean up, cook and clean up so fast. It'd be incredible. Like think about if you were all working together. Actually during the pandemic, we had the opportunity to do that (laughs) many, many times. (laughs) Did it work? Was it good? We had like the chores going and you know, everybody was doing something. I'm like, you know, they like want to play with me after dinner. And I was like, I could do all this, but you're going to have to wait like five times as long. Basically, if we all do this, I'll be ready to play with you really fast. You know? So yeah, that's exactly what one of the, the, my mom says in a study, like, you know, things get done so much quickly when we all work together. And, and that that's exactly what you need to do is like, instead of, I think we tend to like break things up into like, okay, now on Tuesday, it's going to be your turn to do this. And on Thursday, it's your turn to like make the bed and like these, but if you actually want kids to want to do it and enjoy doing it, then you've got to like all do it together. So like the emphasis on like a shared responsibility. So just like you say, like we all clean up together the dinner and we'll get it done faster. You know, we, we all work together to do the laundry. Like every Saturday, we all do the laundry together, including the husband. Like it's a shared task that everybody is doing as a family because everyone lives in the family and everyone needs clean clothes. And so it's kind of a shifting of a mindset of like, individual tasks versus this is like what all the, all the family does. So, yeah. So it's actually gotten a lot better in terms of like my husband and I don't fight over chores anymore because we're all working, you know, it's, it's a shared, it's a shared responsibility that we're all doing. I feel like Um, I should put you in touch with Eve Rodsky. Do you know who she is? She wrote a book called fair play and she designed this whole system for parents to divide chores, but it's, you're both essentially saying the same thing to, to not fight about something, someone has to just have the responsibility for it, start to finish. So like, if I'm going to tell a kid that bath time is up to them, they can bathe when they want, as often as they want, they can decide when to turn it on and drain it and whatever. And I'll like never bother them about it again. You know, my fear is that they're just not going to do it. 
But so that, so it's not just, so that's kind of like you've turned it into like the free range bath. Right. And that's not what I think it, that's not what I'm saying. It's there's, there's somewhere between. Right. So it's this idea that like, one way we think is like, okay, every night before it's like this very strict schedule. And then the other way is like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to have anything to do with it. And I think what I'm arguing in the book is that there's actually some other way yeah. where it's like the child decides, but you can still guide them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, you could, we're talking about baths, but this could be anything, right. right. Like from, you know, hitting the, the sibling to like, whatever, right. Where then, where you're, you're not, taking the choice or at least the sense of choice away from the child, but you're not also ceding complete responsibility to the child. So it's like me talking about, okay, you're kind of stinky. I think you need to take a bath, you know? And if I really wanted her to take a bath, I would be even heavier with it. Like, I'm going to go draw the bath now. You need to get in the bath. And then like, or I would, or I'd just go draw the bath and then like take her hands and walk her to the bath. Right. <laughs> so like, I mean, so I think that that's, we kind of swing between these two, like very strict micromanaging and like very free range. But I would argue that most of the world sits between where it's like the child is involved in the decision and involved in it. And you're, you're paying attention to what the child's doing, but you're also have some goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And that the two goals are like trying, trying to meet here and in the middle. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes sense. I like it. I <laughs> no, I do. I like it. I think with each subsequent kid that I've had, I've become more like that than mm. I was in the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's like less conflict. Yeah. And just like, I don't have time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like the other night, my kid, my littlest guy, I shouldn't, I mean, he just would not put on his clothes and he would not eat dinner. And I was like, well, I've got to, like, we all have to eat. Like I'm, I can't, in the olden days, I would have been like on the floor and trying this tactic and this, and I would mm. be sitting with him and I would be like bribing him. And I would be like, you know, getting upset myself. I would be like, ah, you know, and I would like ruin the whole dinner. Right. And this right. time I was like, right. well, you know, I'm going to sit and enjoy the dinner with my other kids. Like and who like, cares? He's going to miss it. And I guess if he's really hungry, he'll eat later. And, you know, right, exactly. You've like weighed the consequences of it. Right. Like, and one of the, one of the moms in Alaska told me, she's like, just go to the relationship. Like always think of the relationship. Like, how is this going to affect my relationship with my child and the relationship with the family? Right. And so if you made this big deal and had this big argument, was that going to help things? Would that help the relationship? No. Right. Like, I think sometimes we get these like blinders on because we think we have to do these things. We have to all sit at the table. We have to all take a bath and we sacrifice like peace and we sacrifice time, yep. you know, when we don't really need to, right. When like, and PS at eight o'clock, we were trying to eat at six and I ignored the whole thing. And he like sat, you know, with no clothes on, like in the next room, like having a fit about it. And then like maybe half an hour later, he put on his clothes and then by eight o'clock that night, he was like, I'm hungry. I'm like, oh yeah, you ready for dinner? And then he ate the dinner. <laughs> oh, so you saved it for him. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I saved it. I, felt, I didn't feel like it was for him. I felt like I did a terrible job as I have like a naked child, you know, like writhing on the floor. And, you know, my husband's like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, just leave him. So I don't know. Oh, I think it sounds like a masterclass. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I mean, cause it, I mean, what harm has it done? You know, I don't, you know, like the child's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, and he came to dinner the next night. Like it didn't happen again. It's not like it became a pattern. Cause that's always the fear, right? If I let right. the kid not to, you know, I don't know, but it didn't happen again. So, I mean, that's a very weird thing too, is this idea that like, we're going to ruin them at any moment. 
right? Like, or the window of opportunity is going to close. Like, oh, you have to do this before they're four. Or when they're babies, it's like that, right? You have to do it before four months or they're never going to sleep by themselves, you know? Or like, this is crazy. I mean, it's, that's just craziness that like nobody else ever on the planet thinks such things. It's very strange. Well, tell me for two seconds about the actual writing of this book. How long did it take you to write? Like after you did all your research and did you enjoy that process? I loved it. I think it's the best part of the, I mean, I love traveling, but I love writing. And it took about a year, almost exactly. I took a year off from NPR to, and we traveled a little bit before that. And then, yeah, about a year. And then I didn't realize how much work has to be done. Actually, like after you turn the book in, you probably know, like, I thought I was like, I turned the book in and I'm done. (laughs) And it was like the opposite. It was like, I think I turned the book in and then it was like, okay, now I work more, you know, but I went back to my regular job. So I don't have time either. I'm with you. I don't have time to deal with nakedness. It's like, fine, be naked, you know? Cause I, you know, I, and especially during the pandemic, I had very little, if any childcare. So it was while I was writing a lot of the book, it was, it was really hard, you know? And I mean, I think that that's when I really started doing the things in the book was when I didn't have childcare and I still had to finish the book. And I was like, I can't parent the way like I've been taught to parent and still work and still like have like, still have my mind, you know? And so I was like, I'm just going to have to really embrace what's in this book. Like, because I have to parent like 12 hours a day with this kid now and write and like walking the walk. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, and I, and I, cause I thought I was embracing it, but then I like realized I wasn't completely like at all, you know, like she's going to have to entertain herself and she's going to have to step up and make lunch and she's going to have to like do all this stuff. And it took a couple of weeks. There was a lot of screaming at first, but she, then she did it. You know, there was something on the other side, you know, of that screaming. And so that was a long answer to your question, but no, I loved, I loved it. I loved writing. How about you? Did you like writing your book? I love writing. I love any, any chance I get. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors? You know, somebody told me that it's the best advice I think I've ever got was, you know, just go write. Like, I mean, right. There's the only way you're going to get better is to write enormous amounts. And there's so many places now to write. And so, you know, just start, just start writing and start sending things to people, you know, figure out the the place you want to write for and then write a piece and like send them to them. Like you just, writing is all about, for at least for me, is volume, right? The more, like I will write like 4,000 words before I really understand what the chapter is going to be about. Like, you know, I have this kind of sense, but then I'll like write into, you know, I'll actually write my way into the point of the chapter or the real narrative structure of it and stuff, which sounds crazy, right? You have to have this real confidence in yourself that something's in there, but yeah, it takes time. I've, I've been a professional writer now for like 11 years. And before that, you know, just trying, but it takes, it takes a lot of time. Wow. Well, thank you so much for like my parenting session. I really appreciate it. I don't know if I helped. You sound like you, you were, you were a master. You're a master. (laughs) You had the words masterclass and my parenting in the same sentence. And so that's it for me. Thank you. We'll see what happens at dinner tonight. Anyway, thank you. And thanks for the wonderful book and for all the journeys you went on to help the rest of us and get us out of our own heads a little bit and back out into the world. So yeah, exactly. Like if it doesn't feel like it's worth it, it's probably not worth it. (laughs) Forget it. Naked dinners all around. Naked dinners all around. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks to Kira and Dina for sponsoring our episode with their Raising Adults podcast. 
futurefocusedparenting.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.